Capturing images of people across China, exploring its ever-changing lifestyles, and feeling the heartbeat of its villages, towns, and cities. This is Selfie. This is Selfie. Giving you real-life stories in China. China, China, China. Hello and welcome to this edition of Selfie on China Plus Radio. I'm Tony Reid. We all grew up with memories of our schools, teachers, and classmates. Then, at some time or some place, who knows exactly when or where, something may cause us to stop and recall the influence they've had on us. However, in many parts of China's underdeveloped rural areas, education has been facing challenges due to poverty and lack of awareness of its importance. And this used to be the situation in Yongkou. A small village located in China's far west Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region, where school was non-existent before the 1960s. But later, the local educational environment was changed by a group of migrant workers, in addition to generations of local people who have been making efforts to create a better life through education over the past few decades. Today, we take you to a village to find out how emphasizing culture and education has inspired local lives. Here's Yang Yong with the story. For many Chinese people born after 1970, the campus folk song "My Old Classmate" is a collective memory. The song depicts pure friendship and unforgettable school days. is still popular. And awake nostalgia among different generations. The man singing the song is 40-year-old Sun Zhibao, the head of Yongku, a village with a population of nearly 2,000 people and 800 kilometers away from Xinjiang's capital city Urumqi. More than two decades have passed. Since he left his hometown to pursue a higher education, he still remembers saying goodbye to his old classmates as if it was yesterday. At the time, I was going to Xi'an, and some of my good friends and classmates came to say goodbye to me. They saw me off on the bus station platform and saw me getting on the coach. We didn't want to say goodbye and even cried. In 1998, he received the letter of admission to Xi'an International Studies University in northwest China's Shanxi Province, one of the best foreign language institutions in the country. In those days, it was rare for a farmer's son like him to get into a prestigious university, especially because he came from rural Xinjiang, where education systems were relatively poor. The situation in Yongku Village, however, was quite different. Sun Zhibao says, from the 1980s, generations of youngsters from his village began to pursue college degrees nationwide. There were people admitted to colleges and universities before me. Several of them went to prestigious institutions like the Northwest University of Politics and Law and Northwest University. I remember how excited my parents were when I received an admission offer. My father held banquets in the village, and many of the villagers came to celebrate with me. 
It's a tradition in our village. When someone was admitted by a university, it was a glory, something really worth being proud of. Back in the late 1950s, Sun's grandparents went to Xinjiang as railway workers and helped to build the Lanzhou-Xinjiang Railway, which runs nearly 2,000 kilometers in northwestern China, following the route of the ancient Silk Road. Hundreds of the Han Chinese, including the Sun family, stayed in Xinjiang after the railway was finished in the early 1960s. Later, a group of so-called educated youths, meaning young urban Chinese who were relocated to the countryside in the 1960s and 70s, went to rural Xinjiang and joined in the local development. Since then, many Han Chinese have been living and working together with the local Uyghurs, the Hui people and Kazakhs. 63-year-old Ji Zhichao was one of the earliest settlers to Yongku. He says there was no school in the village in the early 1960s. There were no conditions for rural education and schools back then. We didn't have teachers. There were no teaching facilities, and people were living in poverty. For decades, local development has been limited by a traditional small-scale peasant economy and a lack of natural resources and transport facilities. And rural education has been facing challenges including a lack of funding, poor teaching equipment, and a general lack of awareness about the importance of education. At the same time, many Han people there were well aware of the importance of education, believing it was key to changing their lives. This led to the opening of the first school in the village in 1966, with Wang Yazhou, a local villager, deciding to lend his own efforts to teaching children. At that time, it wasn't a school as such. The children gathered together in an old cave over there, 40 of them at the very start. They weren't separated into different grades. The Uyghur children and Han children studied together. Sometimes the teacher had to teach different groups of children. For years, a common scenario was him teaching one group of children at one time, while the other group were asked to do class assignments. Coming from a city in East China's Anhui province, Wang Yazhou, the first teacher in the school, received his own education in an old-style private school and became a teacher. Witnessing the poor state of rural education there, he decided to stay in the remote village. The decision shone upon many of his students, including Ji Zhichao, like a beacon of light. His teaching didn't only focus on textbooks. He had a rich knowledge and passed down his comprehensive understanding of education to the younger generation. He taught us Chinese, maths, history and even drawing. He encouraged us to open our minds to have a wider vision and always to keep a fresh outlook on our lives. After graduated from middle school, Ji Zhichao worked as an accountant in a nearby county. More than 20 members of three generations of the Ji family finished high school, which was relatively rare in rural China, 
given the fact that the country didn't enact the nine-year compulsory education policy until the 1980s. At the time, it was common for children in this remote and underdeveloped place to drop out of school. Ji says, in the 1970s, the village classroom was usually half empty because some students had to help on the farm during herding seasons. Only a handful of them were able to finish nine years of education. And it was the local teacher's primary job to convince more children to stay on. Thanks to their continuous efforts to explain the importance of schooling, dozens of students were kept in school by Wang Yazhou and his colleagues. Wang Zimei is the son of Wang Yazhou. Some parents couldn't afford to buy the texts and exercise books. So my father bought them for their children sometimes. More often than not, he handled the textbooks and gave them to the children because we were poor either. Wang Yazhou passed away late last year, but his legacy has influenced generations of villagers in Yongku, and the village is renowned for the outstanding people who have treasured education in its neighborhood. It's something that Ji Zhichao is very proud of. Our village has the highest proportion of university students of all villages in the whole of Kuka County. Now they're working in all walks of life. For example, we have pilots, warship operators, postgraduates, and even those with a doctoral degree. The head of the Lanzhou Rolling Mill is also from our village. In a traditional unincorporated village like Yongku, learning a professional skill, working outside their hometown, and earning money are typical methods for local villagers to lift themselves out of poverty. Local authorities have indicated that over the past 40 years, the village has had more than 300 students admitted by higher education institutions. This is the highest proportion compared with nearby villages. Some of Wang Yazhou's students left the village to achieve great success, while several others stayed and became rural teachers like him. They include his son Wang Zimei and 57-year-old Uyghur Yusuf Mahsud, who has been teaching in the village primary school for 37 years. Time flies. Now a new school building has replaced the old wooden classrooms that were built decades ago. Modern teaching facilities including electronic screens and computers have been installed in the classrooms and teachers' offices. During a short break between classes, Usef plays table tennis with the students. Sweating and laughing and having interactions with the students in the school playground are the reasons why table tennis is one of Usef's favorite sports. For a veteran teacher like him, days spent in school have kept him young and energized, like years ago when he was a newbie in teaching. 
Teaching a class was very challenging for me at the beginning. At the time, several colleagues encouraged me and helped me a lot. We were good working partners at school and brothers after class. Sometimes, when we were riding our bikes down the country lanes, we would stop halfway and begin to discuss educational methods or some sudden spark of inspiration. Like lots of his colleagues from that generation, Yusuf Mahasud lived through the difficult times of the 1960s and 70s in China. In the 1980s, Yusuf's monthly income was just 50 yuan, much lower than the country's average income. But he never thought of giving up his teaching career. He says one of the most valuable things he has learned from his teacher Wang Yazhou is how to cherish the beautiful things around him, even during hard times. He did good handwriting, especially good calligraphy. He was a knowledgeable man, a caring teacher. Life was really hard in the village when I was a child, but Wang Yazhou was the kind of man that you can call casual and relaxed. After school, he had to do farm work to make a living. But you could always see him standing there, watching the sunset and appreciating the beautiful trees and clouds. The spiritual wealth has been passed down to his students, including Sun Zhibao. Born in 1979, Sun belongs to the third generation of a migrant family at Yongku. I went to primary school in the village in 1985. Even though the conditions were relatively poor, it was already an integrated primary school. We had grades 1 to 6, one class in each grade. We had classes with students from different ethnic groups together, learning each other's languages and traditions and building friendships. Sun says he's still grateful to his teacher Yusuf. I was a naughty boy then, and yourself was my teacher from grade 1 to 6. What I remember from the time was that sometimes after school, he would come to our home to tutor us and answer our questions on the assignments. Sometimes it would be until very late at night. He was such a responsible teacher. He took the time and effort to try to give us a brighter future. As a Chinese saying goes, Talented students are trained by strict teachers. This naughty boy grew up and became a good student, later studying Japanese language in a famous Chinese university in the ancient city of Xi'an in Shanxi province. For Sun Zhibao, the colorful chapters of his life were about to unfold. You are listening to Selfie, produced by China Plus. China has gone through an economic boom since the 1980s, and the entire social and economic conditions supporting literary and artistic creation have transformed. By the early 1990s, Chinese rock music was entering its heyday, with the rise of legendary rock bands such as Black Panther, Tang Dynasty and beyond. Having grown up in that era, Sun says the rise and fall of rock music has influenced him a lot. He says he's the kind of person who has lived his youth without any regrets. 
。我觉得我们那个时候上大学，人那时候我们还是挺开放的。The culture and mindset of our generation was quite open then. There were many overseas students in our university, and as someone who grew up in a village with a multi-ethnic population, I was in love with the inclusive, multicultural atmosphere in our institution. Many of my peers had rock dreams and were getting their hair dyed and wearing ripple jeans, as was the fashion. I bought a guitar and formed a campus band with several other students from Xinjiang. Rock music, campus folk songs, and Xinjiang folk songs were our favorites. Every time we sang on the campus lawn, people stopped to listen. It was one of the golden periods of my life. Like most of his peers who rushed to the big cities to start new life journeys when they graduated, Sun Zhibao went to work in Tianjin, a coastal metropolis in northern China, some a hundred kilometers away from the country's capital Beijing. It was the beginning of the 21st century when there were opportunities everywhere for an aspiring young man. Sun used to work in large international companies, travel agencies, and was busy with overseas business trips. Every time Sun went back to his hometown, he felt it was familiar yet unfamiliar. New houses were shooting up, and the old shabby ones were coming down. Over the years, it's been a common occurrence, happening every day in Yongku. Working away from home in big cities for years, Sun decided to go back to his hometown so he could contribute to the local development. It was in 2008. And he wasn't quite thirty yet. I think it's still this, still this person, and the land. I say, I have a deep love for this land. I thought it was the land and people here calling me back. I'm in love with my homeland and the lovely villages here. The melons and fruit in our hometown are so sweet. So are the people. Family is also important to me. I decided to do something to help build my hometown into a better place. And I missed my old friends and family. Sun Zhibao became the village head in 2017. As someone who has reaped the benefits of a good quality education himself, Sun has always been thinking, doing his best to create a better educational environment in the village. With a 5 million yuan government grant to support local education development, a bilingual kindergarten was built in the village in 2018. It's now widely believed here that giving the best care and education to children is vital. Since life has become better in the village, local parents believe the kindergartens and schools in the nearby county can provide better care for the children. I persuaded the villagers to send their children to the village kindergarten. I told them there was no need to send children kilometers away, where there was a perfectly good kindergarten nearby. I sent my little daughter there, and the other villagers followed my lead. Now there are 87 children enjoying early education for free at the village kindergarten. 
One spring morning at the kindergarten, the sun streams through the classroom windows. The children are learning an ancient Chinese poem called "Picture" by Tang Dynasty poet Wang Wei. The classical rhyme depicts a beautiful scene. When you look afar, the mountains are green and clear, but no sound of stream is heard when listening near. The flowers remain in full bloom, though springs away. The human beings approach, the bird doesn't fray. Twenty-two-year-old Pu Baoxia is a volunteer village teacher. Coming from the city of Tianshui in northwest China's Gansu province, she says she has not able to resist the temptation to volunteer here. Since she first saw the beautiful eyes of those children, I watched a video of children here and was deeply touched by their beautiful big eyes. Pure light shone through from their eyes. In the video, they said, "Teacher, we need you." I was so moved and decided to try my best to do something. The young teacher believes education is not a one-size-fits-all approach. Because the folk culture and tradition of those Uyghur children are quite different from the Han people, we need to use different teaching methods to treat different children. Respecting every child's tradition and individualized teaching method is very important. Far away from modern city life, Pu Baoxia says she enjoys being a village kindergarten teacher. I think the happiest thing for me is witnessing their progress. In the very beginning, I couldn't understand their language, and they couldn't understand me either. Gradually, they learned a few words of Mandarin. Now they can say sentences, and it gives me a sense of achievement. The whole day with the children is full of happiness. Although sometimes you might feel down or get annoyed by other things, once you see their smiling faces or hear them speak to you, all your troubles are swept away. Twenty-three-year-old Mia Haba is a Uyghur teacher in the kindergarten. She speaks highly of a Han colleague. She is such a kind-hearted and bright girl. We are happy working together like sisters. Currently, there are 19 members of staff working in the kindergarten, including local Uyghur teachers, administrative staff, and volunteer Han teachers from other parts of the country. Sun Zhibao says it's something that gives him a sense of achievement. My little daughter loves the village kindergarten, and she enjoys her time there. She even told me she won't go any other kindergarten because she doesn't want to leave the children she plays with. I think it's important for our children to study, play, and grow up together from early childhood. It's kind of an inheritance, and this is how good inter-ethnic friendships can be maintained and passed down the generations. The father smiles and his eyes sparkle. He believes that even though times have changed. Friendship and love for the homeland are the eternal themes of all generations. He's already passed his light down to his next generation, and he's trying his best to let it shine on others like a beacon. That's Yang Yong reporting. And to finish today's program, let's hear the campus folk song "My Old Classmate" by Chinese folk singer Lao Lang.
明天你是否还惦记曾经最爱哭的你？老师们都已想不起猜不出问题的你，我也是偶然翻相片才想起同桌的你。谁去了多愁善感的你？谁看了你的日记？谁把你的长发盘起？谁给你做的嫁衣 ？That brings us to the end of today's program. But there's always more online. Check us out on our website, ChinaPlus.CRI.CN, and go to the column My China for more information and other fascinating reports and features. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Tony Ree. See you next time.